0: Good morning, and greetings in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And also, I bring you greetings from our home church, Harmony Christian Fellowship, and uh, just so you know, uh, this morning, um, they are praying for you all, and I'm sure they will be tonight as well. This morning, my primary focus is going to be directed toward pastors' wives, and uh I would like to include all the pastor's wives in this church, particularly Jessica, Um, and I'd also like to include um, that there's something that you can absorb as ladies, uh, whether you're a pastor's wife or not. Most of the time, the men seem to be the uh, focal point of of settings like this and events like this, and the wives rarely receive any in-depth attention, and I think we all understand that the wife is not ordained. Um, The man is. um, And so often what happens, she's rather relegated to a silent partner status. And um, when we all know that she plays a very vital role in a ministry, and... um, as such, I like to speak into that. We know that when a brother is ordained, the charge of minister for preaching and for teaching, for admonishment, for rebuking, for exhorting, is one that I think all of us ministers can say we would not want to exclude Uh, our wives from contributing to our ministry responsibilities. It's interesting in Romans chapter 16, verse 1 through 6, um, Paul mentions a number of people that are vital to the work of the church. Now, I'll tell you right away, I'm not going to try to read this passage because I would majorly fail in those pronunciations of those names. If uh, you read that sometime, you will note that there are 29 people that are mentioned in this passage. Ten of those 29 are women. What is especially interesting in this passage is that seven of the ten women are described in, in, in terms of their ministry to the church. And often it was, it was a bit of detail in the role of assisting and ministering to people, people needs, but also as a helper to the Apostle Paul. Now, what those specific details may have been other than that, we don't have a whole lot of details in that. But it is very apparent that there was a significant contribution in ministry, from these women to the to the church at Rome and so Paul is recognizing them by name and he is recognizing them and affirming their contribution in 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 the church and in the ministries that they were involved in. I do believe that women play a very vital role in a church body as a body of Christ and Dare I say that I don't believe that a woman is a second-rate member in the body of Christ. <clears throat> Different roles are, are delegated and, and assigned to, to women and to men, um, and there is a difference, and when you follow biblical principles, you will follow those as well. Now, just so you as a community know, I don't know Jessica well. I don't know her at all, to be factual. I don't know her personality. I don't know her character. I don't know what her gifts are. I don't know how she relates to those that surround her. I don't know what her strengths or her weaknesses are. And for the rest of you ladies in, the, in this church, I could say practically the same thing as it relates to you. These type of things I just mentioned are the type of things that we take into consideration in our vote selection of um, who we, we vote for as a, as a man in the lot and it is so true that wives factor into this equation more than we tend to recognize uh, in, the, in the vote selection. Um, you know, we might look at a, a qualified man and we might think, oh, he would be great for, for this role. And then we take into consideration his wife and we back off a little bit. Or we may look at a wife, of, of a guy and say, you know, she would make a great pastor's wife, but he, uh, not so great. So that's the impact and, and the effect that you have when it comes to uh, lot selection. So I say that so that you understand that anything that I will say about a pastor's wife I am not targeting your present pastor's wives, nor am I targeting uh, specific items about Jessica, because I don't know her, and I can do that freely. Now, I want to be really clear to you. Um, Because of all the the gender (coughs) distortions that are currently prevalent in our society today, Uh, I am not a woman (laughs) I don't think like a woman I don't feel like a woman my emotions aren't like a woman's I will never be a woman And so you might naturally wonder, what are your qualifications to be speaking to women? <laughs> and I don't have a good answer for you. I could tell you that, that uh, my wife would be better qualified to speak to you as a woman, uh, but I know that she would never consent to be a speaker this morning. And so you're rather stuck with me for the duration here. I'll give you a list of qualified, qualifiers that I will lean on. I have lived around women all my life. I had a mom. I have four sisters. And I have one wife. And I still feel underqualified to speak to women. Hmm. But I will give it my best shot. And then I'm okay for God to do the rest with whatever I say. And so this morning I've entitled my my sermon, A Pastor's Helper. So the first thing I'd like to do is establish a, a biblical basis um, for that vital helper role for a pastor's wife. And understand this applies to all ladies as well. We're going to read Genesis chapter 2, verses 18 through 23 as a foundation for this portion. Genesis 2, 18 through 23. And the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him and help me for him. And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. And Adam gave names to all cattle and to the fowls of the air and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found and help me for him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had, given, had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. I can picture God creating man, creating Adam, And he steps back for a bit of observation and he says, hmm, it's not good that man should be alone. You know, it wasn't at this point that God was correcting a creation mistake. But simply that God wasn't done creating yet. God doesn't make mistakes, never. We men, we tend to think at this point, you know, leave good enough alone. (laughs) But God isn't done yet. God would have said, You're not good enough by yourself. And so God created his most beautiful creation yet. Now you will note that the woman was the last thing that God created. And I'm sorry for saying thing, (laughs) the last part of his creation that he created. Did you know that last doesn't denote of lesser value? I remember as a youth, um, I was always athletic enough to either be chosen in one of the first few selections for say, uh, a softball game or say, a volleyball game. But there always were these individuals and I always felt sorry for them that were selected last. And the reason that they were selected last is because they weren't the most athletic or very good. And it gives us that persona that last is never good. Never good enough. If you do that here's youth, reverse that and see what happens. It doesn't have to be about, all about winning, it should really be about people, shouldn't it? So, I had to think, you know, the last is much more about a finishing touch. Now, I like a Sunday. I'm not talking about the day. I'm talking about the food Sunday. You know what I mean, right? Well, As a comparison to creation, I would say this, that the cup or the container that is vital to have a Sunday in, that's very important. The ice cream that makes the Sunday um, is is, is a very important part of a Sunday, but But a Sunday isn't a Sunday until some topping is put on it. And if you're like me, I like strawberry topping. I I don't care for the cherry, but if you don't have that topping, it's just ice cream. On our travels here, Thursday afternoon, like I said, we got into this horrific traffic jam on 66, and it wasn't very long until uh, this ratty little pickup uh, pulled in front of us, and um, it had a sticker in the back window, and it said this, a well-behaved woman does not make history. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we, my wife and I, we got a, a bit of chuckle out of that. Um, but then, I didn't say anything to her because I, I wanted her left with that impression. <laughs> but, but I'll tell her now. I, I thought about that statement and I realized how wrong it was. Now, of course, it depends if you're thinking about politics or if you're thinking about a godly lady. And so if I could rewrite that sticker, I would rewrite it like this. A godly, well-behaved woman does make history. Would not all of us say that our mothers made history (coughs) when she gave birth to you? Would not we say that our mother makes history when she teaches us, directs us? My point is this. Women in the church make history. One of the reasons that it is not good for man to be alone is because One single man on the planet of the earth or a planet of all men does not accurately reflect who God is. You know, God made a woman to compliment Adam. And that's not a compliment like, Adam, you're such a handsome dude although it's okay if you tell your husband that. <laughs> That's not what God had in mind. It was a compliment which had the idea of completing his creation. Not only his creation, but specifically the man. And sometimes we as men, we kind of react to, um, how do I say this? Um, the wife's attempt to maybe mold us and make us a little different type of guy, you know what I mean? <laughs> um, can I say that's okay for her to do that? In Genesis two verse eighteen, the phrase "Help meet for him" literally means something like one opposite him. God was going to make one like Adam, and yet so opposite Adam in so many ways. And so it's interesting that when you look into the Hebrew meaning for the word helper, in the Old Testament, it is always used in the context of being vitally important and powerful acts of rescue and support. Mostly, in the Old Testament, it is depicted of of God helping human beings. I find that fascinating. And so, it becomes very clear that neither the word nor the role of helper is some inherent inferiority of that status. It simply means this, that a helper plays a a vital, important, supporting role rather than bearing the primary responsibility of a role, or should I say task. That's really what that means. And so God, in his design of women, and I don't know, well, I say I don't know, but taking a rib out of man and fashioning a woman, I I don't begin to understand why he chose a rib and, and why he didn't make it out of her out of the dust of the ground like he did man. There's reasons, and I haven't explored that. But God took a bone and he fashioned the woman. And so, in God's design, woman was neither inferior nor superior to man. Man. I think God that intended that in her personhood that she would be alike and that she would be equal to the man particularly in who she is in her personhood and, and particularly unique in her function. And sometimes we go through life and it takes a while to discover what that function would be. I ask you men this, could you imagine what it would be like if the women would be a duplicate of the man in every way. In her emotions, in her way of thinking, how she responds to you. How would you like to be married to a duplicate of yourself? Hmm. I don't think so. You know, when God brought those of you who are married together. In that marriage, he knew that the man that you're sitting beside or the man that you're married to needed more completion. And so you as a woman, God selected you to complete whatever task that he has for the two of you in life. And Daniel and Jessica believe that today. And I say to you, as I say to the rest of you, God saw this moment before your marriage. And it will be maybe why he said, Jessica, you are the perfect fit for this man that you're sitting beside right now. Just as he said it when he brought all of you together as marriage partners. Daniel and Jessica, you're a team in your marriage. Daniel, through the church, God has chosen you for this ministry role. And Jessica asked his wife, supposed to be his teammate. And with time, you'll discover what that means in a new dimension, apart from your marriage. As a, as a team, as a husband and wife team, You'll encounter all kinds of issues together. Some will be pleasant and some will not be so pleasant. And what you really need to remember, and I I, I personally fail at this a lot of the time, is to be there for each other as a unit. Jessica, as a pastor's wife, you will be privy to situational details that will be stressful. And it is quite common for a pastor's wife to respond with, spare me the details. I don't want to know them. Don't tell me the bad stuff. Hmm. Well, your husband Daniel is going to be able to need to talk about them to someone and, and we, as husbands, we naturally will confide to our wife as our team member and as our teammate. The alternative for you, Daniel, is simply to bottle it. And you know what eventually happens when pressure reaches an explosion point when we stuff things? Last night there was talk about setting off an Amish bomb. <laughs> do you know what that is? I don't know if they did it or if they will do it today. I've never seen that happen. But, you know, you take a liter bottle, and as I understood them to say, is you put tinfoil in it and shred it, it's and you pour, what was it? Woke works. works. Toilet Toilet bowl cleaner, of all things, okay? And you know the reaction, the chemical reaction that happens, and it just stretches and stretches and stretches until there's a, a combustible point. Don't do that in your ministry. And so, having said that, I do recognize this, that every pastor's wife has a different tolerance level for what she can handle. And you will discover, if you're a pastor's wife, what those limits are. And I would say this to Daniel and Jessica, that it is okay to set information limits based on what you can tolerate. Just remember, Jessica, that if your pastor husband can't share the hard things with you as his most important confidant, what is he supposed to do with it? And probably some of you are thinking, oh, he has his ministry team to do that with? And I would just simply say this, that a... a, A good ministry team is invaluable, but that ministry team will not replace Jessica. And Jessica will not replace that ministry team. You'll figure that out. And so after tonight, after today, You'll discover through a bit of trial and error, a bit of adjustment and readjustment what each other's tolerance levels are going to be. And it's important that you respect those tolerance levels. Just don't do what I tend to do, and that's clam up when I can't share something. as his helper, his teammate, then you are privileged to be able to share, to encourage, to critique constructively, and there's going to be a host of other things that you'll continue to do in that relationship between you two. Did you know and I speak to all the ladies, pastors' wives, to Jessica. You have the greatest ability to speak words of affirmation that are usually far superior to a man's. It's so often that you ladies have a different perspective of something complex and and it widens our our male perspective. It, It gives us a bigger picture. It gives us a more complete picture. You are capable to be our greatest source of human support. And you, as women, also have the ability to be our worst critic. I, as a preacher, have often stated that my wife's opinion is more important than anybody else's opinion. And when she compliments a sermon, that I just preached, I know it was good. Not that that has to be the most important thing, but truth be told, it kind of is. And when she's silent and she doesn't say anything about my sermon, I I naturally wonder what was wrong with it, but I'm scared to ask. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about? Our son, Kedrick, who is a minister, three years some now, he asks his wife to review his sermon notes. And she is privileged to critique and to make suggestions, and he has the right to change his sermon notes or not to change his sermon notes, as he feels led to I'm not like that, (laughs) although there are many times when I will consult her for input on, say, some subject, or or what's the best way to say this, or how shall I end this? And and, and she helps me uh, in, in doing that. To you pastors, to Daniel, I would just simply say this. Don't become overly dependent on her response or her lack of response, and yet somehow it's so important to you. It is hard for me to detail the impact that a pastor's wife has in her husband's responsibility and ministry role. But if I were to take a poll this morning of the pastors here, I'm convinced that all of us would attest to this particular fact. That the pastor's wife is vital to us fulfilling our role. And it's the pastor's wife that will either contribute to either her husband's ministry success or her husband's ministry failure. Now, let me do a bit of clarifying here. I'm not saying that to place, to place blame on the pastor's wife for mistakes that he made, for his failures, but it is simply to, to highlight the impact that you as a pastor's wife wields in that relationship with your husband. And so as a pastor's wife, one very vital, important role is to be his helper, teammate, as a teammate, you will stand by him through thick and thin. Now, you're supposed to do that in your marriage. <coughs> our son, Kedrick, preached our Sunday morning um, preordination sermon at our last ordination, and um, he put a questionnaire out to our seasoned pastor's wives of our church prior to, in his preparation for this sermon. And one of the questions that he asked them was this, and it was a questionnaire in, in written form, but... But the primary question that he asked the seasoned pastor's wives is what advice would you give a younger version of yourself as a pastor's wife? And I have a few of the responses that he got from our pastor's wives at home. And I don't know who said what, excepting I suspect what my wife's was. (laughs) <laughs> it's okay. And I want you to remember these come from experienced pastors wise. Number one, it's okay, Jessica, as Daniel's helper, to ask for time to adjust. And to all the church ladies here, who are members here, I would say this. Allow the wife of the ordained time to adapt and adjust. It would be what you would want. Please, don't create a pedestal that you place Jessica on and you develop expectations that you yourself could not meet and she most likely isn't going to meet either. Those are unnecessary pressures that Jessica doesn't have to cope with right now. Don't become, don't attempt to become her best friend if you aren't there now. And don't do that particularly because she now will be a pastor's wife. Now read me correctly. Women love need close friends. But a pastor's wife is very leery of close friendships with another woman. And there's legitimate reason for it. That doesn't say that it should not happen. My wife has a very close friend in our church who's not a pastor's wife, and I love it. It Takes pressure off of me, doesn't it? (laughs) It's important, but the motive, just be aware of what your motive may be in that. That doesn't mean you don't reach too out to her, you encourage her, but I'm talking about a whole other level of friendship where there is trust in a relationship. best friends happen over time and after trust has been built. So to Jessica, I would say this. Discover how to reject the people pressures that you'll face and still be sensitive to God's movement in your life. The second one, the second response that is worthy of note is be more sensitive to others who are struggling with issues. Now, we all know that a woman is more gifted to be more sensitive than men. We can learn more sensitivity, but just naturally, when God created a woman, somewhere out of that bone, he pulled more sensitivity for that woman. They show more compassion. They often can sense when somebody else is struggling, when we men are just going on with life. You know, it's a word. It's a hug. It's a prayer. That may be more effective in helping a hurting person than all the advice you can give them. You will be told, Jessica, confidential things that you can't share with anybody else. Keep personal confidences from other ladies that confide in you. It is how trust is built, and it is how close relationships develop and grow. Thirdly, avail yourself to the experience of older pastor's wives. You now, Jessica, will be be a part of a larger team of pastor's wives. And in that will be invaluable experiences that you can tap into. And it is so good To see when pastor's wives on a team coalesce into a a relationship that is close. Where they can share. It's a cohesive team unit on the pastor's wife side. And do that without all the relational drama that ladies tend to bring with them. And so to the minister's wives I would say this. Avoid minister wives' cliques. Rather, you as minister's wives work at becoming best of friends as a team unit. And as a pastor's wife, I'll tell you this, trust me, you will need that close friendship and that close relationship. And so, experience is invaluable to tap into, but I would tell you in a heartbeat that nothing is as good as personal experience. Fourthly, pray for your husband. The prayers of a pastor's wife is the greatest contribution that you can make to him. You know, it's during sermon prep. It's during preaching. It's during church work or what seems like a million other things that they do when we know that our wife is praying for us. I think it's crucial to warding off satanic attacks And believe me, as a pastor, we get a double portion of those attacks. When my wife tells me that she is praying for me as I study, she told me this morning she'll be praying for me. It's probably why I can be as calm as I feel. I know that she's praying when she says she's going to pray. And it's not something that she will say because it sounds good, but it's something that she says because she means it. It's been said that behind every man is a good woman. And a more accurate description of that would simply be this. Beside every man is a good woman. Daniel, I believe you have a good woman. Treasure that. As a woman, you ladies, I don't know if you like the Proverbs 31 woman or not. (laughs) You know, she's so idealistic. And I can't really say that I blame you if you don't like her. It's probably how I would feel if there were an idealistic man list. So it's okay if you don't like her. (laughs) But I would like to highlight one characteristic trait of the Proverbs 31 woman. Verse 26, 27. She openeth her mouth with wisdom, and in her tongue is the law of kindness. Don't expect to become that woman overnight. Rather, strive with time to become more like that perfect woman. In and of ourself, we will never be perfect as people, whether you're a woman or a man. But it's a lifelong task to attempt to become more like Christ. And so, Jessica, I would say this to you, that the person you have been and the person that you are right now, that doesn't have to change drastically. God will tweak some areas of your personal life. And he might mold you into a more complete rendition of what you are now. And the purpose of that is to make you more like Christ. And I would say to all of us, whether you're a man or woman, he does that anyway to us, doesn't he? To Jessica, I'd like to say this. For the moment, continue to be the wife to your husband. Along with that supportive role that you will then play as a pastor's wife. And I don't know Jessica, as a woman, you might feel a bit overwhelmed right now. And you might wonder if life is ever going to be normal again. I like to say this. Yes, there will be normality that will come back and be normal. But in a sense, it will be different. But that different can become normal for you. I would simply like to assure you this, that whether you're walking on a cloud right now (laughs) or you feel as though a cloud is hanging over you, God does have this unique way of bringing a sense of normality back in your life. Even when there's lots of change. And talking last night, I know you're facing lots of change. God is going to be there the two of you in that. And so as Jessica steps into the pastor's wife role, when there's lots of conflicting expectations, when there's ministry stresses, minister wives do need a special grace and wisdom from God. And I don't know where else you're going to find it. But I do know this, you're going to need it. Every man on the face of this earth needs someone who believes in him. Who isn't trying to change him or fix him. Who likes him just the way he is now. And I wonder, Jessica, would you be willing to continue being that wife to your husband, Daniel? Ephesians 2, verse 10, and this is in the new um, NLT translation. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus, so we can do the things that he has planned for us long ago. Join me in prayer. So thankful, God, that we can turn to you and rely on you in in so many ways And at a moment like this. I just want to pray your blessing upon Daniel and Jessica um, as they start a, a new chapter in their life. And I pray that... God, you would be there for the both of them. I pray you would be here with this church as we conclude this evening. I just pray that it would be a good thing, something that promotes growth and harmony among them. We pray your blessing in Christ's name. Amen. I'll turn the time over to Nate.